صباح الياسمين صباح الخير It's such a pleasure to have you with us, Elizabeth from Santiago. Hello, my dear Fadi. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be with you. Elizabeth, we it's a food show and we have you because you have done a lot of things for Palestinian culture. And one of them is about food. But I want to, before we talk about the million projects you're doing, which are fantastic, I want okay. to talk about Elizabeth a bit. <laughs> what do you want to know? I want to know what's your favorite Palestinian dish when you were little Elizabeth at home. When I was little? Yes. When uh, well, when I was little, my three favorite dishes were, first of all, marmaon. Mm-hmm. Second, shishbarak. Mm-hmm. And third, it's like the kusamashi, but with potato. Ah. So stuffed potatoes, yes. The, the, the stuffed potatoes, yes. Those three were my favorite. Let's stop at the first one. You said marmaon. Yes. Now, marmaon is a very Bethlehem word because in the rest of Palestine, they call it maftul. Exactly. I've never heard maftul until I went to Palestine. and But I've always uh, know this by marmaon. And, and in, Chile, in Chile, you know it by marmaon. Not by Maftul. But that's what's very interesting with Chile. And when you, you came here and we met, I realized there's a lot of recipes that your grandparents took to Chile, which disappeared here or changed name here with time, which you preserved. Exactly. And one of them is knafe, for example. Oh, a knafe is, uh, is different because we made it with, uh, with dough. With the with the little dough that looks like hair, like uh, mm-hmm. what's the name? Like vermicelli. Uh, like like the one in in the in the other sweets that they are like it's dough. I yeah, mean it's yeah. a, it's filo dough. Yeah. We make it by with filo dough. We don't make the knafe like uh, like in Palestine. But just now, a, a few we, a few years ago, when when Palestinian people came to live here in Chile and they start doing the Palestinian way knafi, uh, we just uh, get start to get used to it. But before we do it like uh, well in two different ways. One is the one that you put the filling, like the cheese inside, and you put it in the oven, and then you put the um, the syrup. That's that's one way. And the other way is people cook it here like the dough, very. Um, very soft and just with a, a little bit of nut on top, but without filling, yeah. without, the, without the cheese. And you know, it's funny. This uh, knefa is the knefa that my grandparents' house used to do. Okay. And then it disappeared. I never saw it again until I started meeting Palestinian Chileans who said, oh, but that's the only knefa we know in Chile. And I exactly. tried to go back to to, the, to find the recipes and do that kind of because I remembered as a child in my grandfather's house at the Katan house we never had the knafe with cheese which is the nablus knafe. I, exactly. I, I I found out about this knafe when I grew up a bit you know older, but at home we only had the knafe which you have, and and that's fantastic. So I'm linking this a bit to the whole idea of diaspora. Actually, the first time I went to Palestine, that it was in 1996, we went with my parents and we went to Nablus. And 
everyone was telling us, you have to eat knafe, 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 knafe. And we went, of course, we love knafe. And we get there and we saw the knafe and we start to look at each other and it was like, no, 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 this is not knafe. <laughs> and of course we like it, but it wasn't our knafe. So it was a completely different thing for us. And uh, what happened about diaspora and about the Palestinian diaspora in Chile, I, I always imagine that is to, it's like entering in a time machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coming here for you, Palestinians living there, if you come here and you live a little bit in our Palestinian community, it's like entering into a time machine and go back 150 or 100 or 150 years back. Because when our first ancestors came 150 years ago or 100 years ago, they came with their food their music, their type of um, cooking, their, their their taste for the furniture, for example. Mm. Um, and they passed exactly their same taste to their children and then the children to their children. It, it didn't evolve. It's exactly the same. That's why we, we listen to the old Palestinian songs. And it's the only one we, we listen and that's why we still do Kusamashi at home or Waragnawale uh, or Shishbarak or Maimon. We don't eat, for example, the kebab with fries. I mean, you never eat kebab with fries. That's not, that's not a Palestinian food. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not an Arabic food. Yeah. For, no, that, I mean, that's it. That's food. But it's not Palestinian food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't go to your grandmother's house to eat kebab with fries. Of course not. You eat kebab without fries to start with, and you eat kebab in a restaurant very often. You don't do kebab in, in, at home in Palestine. You do shushbarak and marma'on and, and all the dishes you, you described. But you're saying music, food, the taste of furniture, but there's one some, there's one thing else which I think is fantastic, and it's actually very much related to you, actually not really to you, but to you, which is the language. When when your father comes here, I love <laughs> speaking to him because I remember my grandfather's Arabic when I speak yeah. to your father. And he's not the same generation. Your father is my, my father's age. But I yeah. remember when he speaks and I, I can, you know, last time they were here, they were at the restaurant with my parents. And after they, they were going to finish dinner, I left my kitchen to speak to them. And I told my team, I'll be back in five minutes. And I never came back to the kitchen because I spent the rest of the evening speaking to your father because I think the sonority of this old Bethlehem Arabic is just like the food. It's, as you said, it's a hundred years ago, but it's also pure. It's like, it's as if time stopped in Bethlehem and you guys preserved this for us. Exactly. We preserve everything at the same way, like a hundred years ago. Everything. That's, it, 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 here, we didn't change anything. Anything. And at the same time, Elizabeth, you're changing a lot. And so I, you talked about music. And, you know, I, I have been uh, a great fan of what you're doing with music because you started the Diaspora Trio. Yes. And what they're doing with music is they're in, making 
the old classics into extremely modern versions of old classics. So you are bringing a breath of fresh air into this heritage. I was lucky to 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 break the head of Victor or Vic to break my head. I don't know which of both about the translation of their last album, you know, things like this. And I think the sonorities are fantastic because they're really the old Palestinian songs, but they've been given this like totally modern approach. This is a bit what you're doing with a lot of things. Yes, I, I, I believe so. I mean, in the, in the project of the music, it was very important for us to still preserve the old songs. But you have to think that we've been listening to these songs more than a hundred years in the same way that they were brought into Chile. Mm. With no arrangement, no musical arrangement, it was like exactly the same ways that we received it a hundred years ago. So we felt that we Chileans, we need a little refreshment. Okay. Uh So that's why we started here. And then because Chilean people, and I'm talking about Chilean people, not Palestinians living in Chile or not Chilean with Palestinian ancestors. I'm talking about pure Chilean people. They are very, uh, they are very familiar with Palestinian music because almost everyone here in Chile has a Palestinian friend. Mm-hmm. And if you have a Palestinian friend, you, you eat Palestinian food in, in his or her house or you listen to Palestinian music. So most of all the people in this country, they've listened to Palestinian music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, I, we felt that Chileans, we need a refreshment in these songs. And then when I went to Palestine and I realized that you Palestinians there, you stopped listening to these songs because, of course, I mean, they are old. They are super old. This is the, this is the songs that your grandfather listened. And uh, this music was almost, almost forgotten. We start thinking about why not we bring this music to Palestine again, mm-hmm. but with this refreshment. And, well, we did. And, you know, you, you knew what happened and you see it with your own eyes. And it was an amazing project. People were so happy and so thrilled to listen to these old songs again with this modern beat. And, uh, and I believe that, yes, we contribute in a, in a little and little way into, into maintaining the Palestinian heritage uh, alive. I know I saw it with my own eyes, but I have to be honest, I did not go to any of the official concerts. No, because, but, but, you, because, but you saw what happened in the street. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's more important. Exactly, because for me... For me, what it, ha- was, it, was, it was better. I mean, what happened in the street was much more better than the, than the official concert. You did two things. One was in the street, and I remember going down the stairs of the market and hearing the sound, and then seeing the three guys there in Star Square playing their music, and then looking at people around and seeing how people were happy. But then the other thing you did was bringing music back to an old hosh, to the hosh where you have 
your other projects. Exactly. And this was fantastic because that night, Bethlehem's old city was getting back a bit of its past history of people singing in a hosh. So for people who don't know what a hosh is, it's basically all the old houses in Bethlehem are an open courtyard with rooms built around them. And Ellie had the musicians and some of her friends there for for an evening and the music of the old in the old city was just fantastic because that's a bit what you're talking about refreshment what we need a lot of is is not for you guys to come and give people charity it's not for you guys to come and give people money it's for you guys to not only preserve what you, you took a hundred years ago with you but today use the skills you have and the different world vision to create part of the Palestinian identity together, the more modern Palestinian identity. This is exactly what I'm talking about every day here in Chile. I mean, uh, unfortunately, people still got the idea that we have to help the Palestinians with charity. And that's what I'm fighting about because what I say to the to the Chileans or to the Palestinians here is that in Palestine, they don't need charity. I mean, what we have to do is a little bit about philanthropy, that we must return what we have and we must return what we, what, what we uh, bring, uh, what our ancestors bring in, here into Chile. We must somehow return it. So uh, maybe it's in the music, maybe it's in the in food, maybe it's in in cultural things, maybe it's in art, whatever. I mean, there are a thousand ways in how to uh, how to give it back, and you have to give back because it's our duty to give back. Because in the giving, uh, in in the giving, you show to others what Palestinian culture is. Ah, but showing to, to others what Palestinian culture is, that's another one of your projects because you, you did a fantastic <laughs> documentary movie on what Palestine, Palestine is. I think it's better than any video that was ever done to well, promote. And I, I, and I have to say that finally, finally, because last year we have bad luck here in Chile because we were ready to show the documentary and we have this social breakdown and all the TV channels went, went crazy. And then after the show, social breakdown came the virus and everything. But I must say that now in June, we will have in open TV all the documentary that we made about Palestine. So I'm super happy. And you are the first one to hear about this. Fantastic. So I'm this happy is, to hear about this. Very, very this is a breaking news. I mean, we just uh, knew it a couple of days uh, ago, and uh, now all the Chilean people will be able to see what's, what's the real Palestine and how is the real Palestine inside. Because no one, no one imagined what is Palestine. Because what we see about Palestine here as Chileans is images of Gaza, images of war, images of the occupied territories, images of uh, Israel with tanks, and that's it. 
I mean, people don't imagine the beauty about our cities in Palestine. They don't imagine the old cities. They don't imagine the markets. They don't imagine the handcraft. They don't imagine that there is tourism in Palestine. They, they don't, they don't know that they can go to Palestine for vacations, for example. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is to show everyone that Palestine can be one of your destinations for vacations mm-hmm. and how the Palestinians receive all the tourists and how beautiful all Palestine is, how wonderful the food it is and everything. I mean, it, it, in, in the history of the Chilean TV, the, Palest- the, the, the Palestinian territories inside, I mean, they have never been shown. Never, ever. Yep, yep. That's one of our our problems everywhere, is we never really worked on good PR, and we never got our story out, which is what you're doing now in both directions, I would say. You're, you're showing the Pal- Chileans of Palestinian origin their culture to us here, and vice versa, you're taking what the reality is here back to Chile. So you're doing it cross cross ways. Mm-hmm. What other projects are you are you doing in with Palestine? Started doing last year a very very nice project with the municipality of Bethlehem uh, about uh, education for children. Nowadays the project is is a little uh, stopped because of the situation, of course. But uh, I think that uh, it will be fantastic because uh, the project was how can we teach children in a very visual and entertaining way how to take care of the planet, how to take care of the garbage, how to be, how to become green, how to eat healthy, and uh, how to care. I mean, it's kind of starting to enter in a in a mindful in a mindfulness state uh, little by little step by step and teaching the children how to do it but with cartoons so the children will be uh, they will feel uh, represented by these cartoons and the cartoons will show the kids how to do everything so uh, this is a fantastic way of learning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you are a child, you learn. You learn because you imitate your peers, or you imitate your parents, or your brothers, or your sisters. And by imitation is one of the best ways to learn. So now they will imitate these characters, these cartoons. And they will be available in the in the in the phones, in the tablets, in the computer. I mean, they you you don't need TV nowadays. Yeah. So that is, I mean, that is the 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 wonders of this uh, of this of these times that uh, that all the kids has access to to media, and uh, and they will learn. Uh, from these 
amazing characters that they are fantastic and uh, they will learn how to take care of the planet and how to how to live in a better way and how to take care of themselves of their neighbor of their house of everywhere and that's very important because i mean if i look at it as a chef it it is the whole cycle of we we are getting from the land beautiful products and if we don't take care of the land exactly then, you know we're we're doing nothing we're just making sure to demolish everything um so let's go back to food when you are okay. in palestine what what are your favorite things to do with food here when I, when i am in palestine uh-huh. what are my favorite things to do with food um try not to eat that much <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite things is to taste the the flavor of simple things uh, because the flavors are they are different you love uh, you know for example that i love cucumbers i love cucumbers mm. and cucumbers in palestine taste different than here taste absolutely different and uh, the the vegetables taste different although we have fantastic fruits here in chile and fantastic vegetables but the the taste is completely different i'm i'm very simple um uh, in my taste uh, to eat um and and when i eat i like to taste everything and and every taste in what i'm eating and uh, my favorite thing is to the first thing actually that i do when i i i arrive to bethlehem is to go to the into the market and to buy some fresh fruits and to buy of course a couple of kilos of cucumber and start eating there in the street and i start eating my cucumbers while i'm walking and uh, hummus i love it in palestine because it's different too i don't know if the if the if the peas are different i don't know what but it has a a, a different absolutely different taste and um, the shawarma even though we have shawarma in chile uh, in palestine they are superb superb so what can i say but my the, my my favorite meal in palestine are breakfast breakfast are the best <laughs> i can eat only breakfast in palestine and that's it and i can eat breakfast at morning at lunch and at dinner <laughs> <laughs> breakfast are my favorite for sure without garlic ah of course without garlic thank you very much <laughs> without garlic Um, without garlic. What, what and you... that's different and that's difficult in Palestine, huh? I know. To find know. food to find I... food without garlic. And that and, um, and, and I must say I love garlic, but I'm allergic to garlic, so that's the problem. But I'm waiting for the documentary to go out because there's beautiful footage of me eating <laughs> your garlic in the middle of the market. Yes, I'm crying after that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you survived and we had a great tour. Um I did. Elizabeth, what are you cooking today? Uh, today I'm cooking bamia. How are you cooking bamia? Share, what are you doing? 
Uh, what am I doing? Well, I, I'm i going to wash it, of course, and take with the knife the, the thing in the back of the bamia. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fry the bamia and then to reserve it. And then uh, I will choose a piece of lamb meat that I have specially reserved. Uh, it's not easy to have a very good lamp here, so uh, um, I have this special piece reserved. And uh, well, I, do you want me to to tell you how no, I'm going to cook it? No, no. I just wanted to know: Are you doing it with tomatoes, with lamb? You know, ah, just... of course, tomatoes, tomatoes, natural tomatoes, and a little bit of tomato sauce, and uh, a little bit of lamb, and with rice, of course. Nice. So, so you still cook Palestinian at home? Yes. And in quarantine, I must say, no, no, no. Listen, I must say that I don't have time to cook. I don't. So when I when I want to eat Palestinian food, and I go to the store and buy. We have these amazing people that make amazing Palestinian food, and I buy. But now that I'm in quarantine, and I manage to find the time to cook. Because I feel relaxed when I cook. And uh, this is like my way to be more relaxed in in (laughs) quarantine. So nowadays, uh, I've been doing kusamashi. I've been doing uh, stuffed potatoes. I've been doing uh, werek dawale. I've been doing marmaon. I've been doing bamie. So wow. uh, yesterday I made a kubbenie that was fantastic wow. or kubbe. So yes, I've been cooking a lot in this quarantine. But it's cooking is is very therapeutic. You feel you relax while cooking. I think it's something that, that is real for people when you have the time. And when you don't have the time, it's always difficult. But I know you also do a very creative maftool recipe, a marmaon <laughs> recipe, that com- that is a quick recipe. And it combines, and that's what I would like to talk about, which is you do come from a family that produces sujuk. Sausages. Sausages. Yes. And you do this very quick maftool or, or marmaon that has mm-hmm. sausages. Is it true that it's still your kids' favorite? It's true. Absolutely true. They love it. You see, that that's what's beautiful with, <laughs> with our food, is that you can adapt it. You you were saying it's difficult to get lamb in Chile, um, good lamb. But I think when, when you're... You know, a hundred years ago, when the generations that left Palestine to Chile they changed a lot of the recipes to adapt to beef because they couldn't find good lamb. Exactly. No, no, no. We do we do everything with beef. I mean, all the kusamachi and the werek dawale and everything is with beef. Oh. We, we can't do it with lamb. We can't. We don't have. That's why I told you for the bamia that I reserve a piece of lamb to put it. But we, we don't have lamb like oh. this. To available to do everything, and and the and the lamb tastes different. The lamb here is is very is has a very strong taste. So you won't be able, even though if you if you have it, you won't be able to do all the 
all the mashi with uh, with lamb. Yeah. It will be it will be very very strong flavor. Flavor. And, and you know that Palestinian lamb tastes differently because you were lucky to taste raw lamb at the butcher. I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was and I still remember exactly the taste and I must say that the next time I go to Palestine we will do and we will have it again because I think it's an acquired taste, you know? Exactly. It's like it's like oysters. You don't like them at the first time that you try them, but then you like them. Exactly. What's interesting with with your experience because not not many Chileans of Palestinian origin have done what you have done, which is to start a lot of projects that link you to to Palestine, but also to come and spend a lot of time here. What what I see is very often people come for a short time. It's usually one trip. They may come back a few years later, but they don't build those bridges. And you've done this, and you, you've become a bit the voice of Palestine in Chile and the voice of the Chileans in Bethlehem. No. How difficult is it for you? How difficult is in what in what way? In the way that you are coming with a very new vision. You were saying earlier, you know, and I was saying, we, we don't need charity. We need what you're doing. We need people... When I listen to Diaspora Trio, I really feel, as a Palestinian, I feel extremely proud of it. It's something I can share with my non-Palestinian friends abroad. We used, we, we, we were lucky, we, we had um, some music from Diaspora Trio on the show. Mm-hmm. And you cannot imagine how many people wrote to me and said, Oh, um, can you send us a link to their full album? We went to listen to it. Because it's it is different, but how difficult is it to be a bit this person that is changing the whole approach? <laughs> it's super difficult because I've been like this all my life. I mean, um, I I think that since I was little, I was trying to change everything, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I I think that I have somehow a different way to look things and and somehow i i knew since i was really little that that things uh, that that there were things that needed to be done and and most of that things i put them in my plate but the thing is that while I was doing those things, I felt that I was not being understood. So, so it's very difficult to fight with misunderstanding when you know for real and you know it in your heart that what you are doing is the, is the correct thing. Every time, every time I start a project, I started because I really know that is that I have to do it because it's the correct thing to do it and or the correct thing to do it for me you know but I feel that I'm not that that, that so many people doesn't understand me but then time passes few years later people 
start to understand. I don't know if I if I explain myself in the correct way, but every time I do something, I realize that people start to understand it several years after. You did explain yourself very well. You're avant-garde in what you're doing. That is difficult because you are always you're always swimming against the current. Yes. But do you think that a few years after, as you say, people start understanding, do you think it will create people that are inspired by you and they will also, in their domains, try and do this? Well, I hope. Otherwise, everything that I did, it, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Ellie, thank you for, for being with us. I have one last question. Okay. Tell me. What's your dream in regards to Palestine? What's your dream that you could do? Those are two different questions because what is my dream in regards to Palestine is one question. And what is my dream regards to Palestine and what, what I can do? That's another thing. <laughs> well, there are two questions, yes. Very different. <laughs> Very different. So. Choose one, or you want me to answer both? Answer both. Okay. If you're offering oh me God. to answer both, answer both. <laughs> you're so difficult. <laughs> okay, well, um, I will be lying if I, I don't tell you that my dream is to have a free Palestine, of course. But how can I say this? But I think uh, every day that passes is more difficult to accomplish that dream. So if you tell me what is your dream for Palestine, um, just to just to feel that. Palestinians are happy again. That's it. Because things have changed so so much in the past three years. I mean, when I went there three years ago, I I I was able to see in most of the Palestinian people that I met uh, signs of hope, signs of happiness in their heart, signs of that um, they were living, even though they were living in occupation, but they were living happy. I mean, uh, with this kind of light in their eyes. And what um, what touches me a lot this past trip, it was I didn't see that light again in Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. I I saw everyone very sad. I saw everyone very depressed. I saw everyone um, with no hope. And uh, believe me when I tell you that I imagine and I can feel how hard it is to live under occupation and uh, that is super hard not to be depressed and not to be um, sad and not to be uh, feeling blue, but 
somehow you manage all these years, all these 70 years, to still have this bright light in, in your eyes. And uh, I didn't see it in my last trip. So uh, what's my dream to Palestine? To, to bring back the light into the Palestinian people's eyes again. Mm. That's my dream for Palestine. And uh, what can I do for, for Palestine? Um, to continue going, to continue making this bridge that, uh, that you mentioned. And, uh, and to continue to put this Palestinian virus <laughs> into the Palestinians living in Chile that they've never been into Palestine. Because Palestine is like a virus. I mean, once you go, it's very difficult not to think about Palestine. And I want to spread the Palestinian virus in, in the Palestinian descendants living here in Chile and in Latin America and everywhere and uh, and 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 tell them that they have to go and they have to see and they have to experiment in their skin what is to be there and what is to what do you feel being there um, and then you will realize that you have like this a task inside you that you have to do something for Palestine and not for the Palestinians you have to do something for Palestine why because you are a Palestinian that's it it's super simple it's very easily and beautifully said it's way more difficult to do on the ground and that's where where it's fantastic that you've been quite successful with this um, I know but if if a crazy woman like me did it, well, we are a lot of crazy people here and everywhere. So, uh, so I must I must tell the experience and I must uh, spread the virus. Yeah, we should never stop putting light in people's eyes and hearts because if not, we we wouldn't be human beings trying to do better. Exactly. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being with us this morning. You're welcome. My pleasure. It has, it's always fantastic to talk to you. And, um, and, and I'm a little sad, I must say, because uh, while I'm talking to you, I imagine that we are sitting in the, in the guest house having a very cold beer in the terrace. And I'm not there. So... I must say I'm a little sad. You don't have to be sad because of lockdown. I also am not at the guest house. So <laughs> hopefully very soon we'll, we'll, you'll be back and we'll all be there having a nice drink and, and talking as we usually do when you're here. Because it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you, you called yourself a crazy woman. So I allow myself to take this word and say... <laughs> You're not crazy. You're extremely creative. And it's always a fantastic opportunity to bounce ideas with you because you either go crazy and tell me, oh, no, this is not going to work. Don't even think about it. Or you follow me in my, I'm using your words, it is craziness. Crazy. 
<laughs> uh, or, or vice versa. And at the end, it creates something which is very, very much needed. And and that's what's really fantastic with what you, you've done is you're bringing those two places together and these two histories together to be able to create something that's extremely new. Now, Elizabeth, we have a little surprise for you. Which one?
Ya Benat Escandaria. Love that song. Elizabeth, Sorry. thank you. Have a great thank day. You. you too. Have a great day and say hi to everyone over there. And I know that you are in lockdown, but you can still talk to the phone and say hi to all my dear friends in the guest house and give them all a very big kiss.